Good evening. It is good to see each of you, and if you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being with us. If you will, open your Bibles to John, the 18th chapter. Give you a little warning, there won't be slides tonight, so you might want to take your Bible and let's study along together. John, the 18th chapter. It has been a tremendous week, and especially weekend uh, here for us, Mount Julia congregation. God has blessed us tremendously with opportunities and with servants and laborers to make those opportunities be very fruitful. We're glad to have the 20-something group back after being iced in on their ski trip. We're glad they were able to slip and slide back to us this evening. And we thank God for a safe trip. And we're thankful for that group. Uh, for many years, uh, this group was a very, very small group. And this group is growing larger and larger. And that's exciting to us. And we appreciate the, the size and the spiritual strength and the, uh, what this group uh, contributes to the Lord's body here in this congregation. We also had a tremendous teacher's workshop. Andrew really put together a top-notch Saturday morning for us. And uh, if you were here, you know exactly what we're talking about. It was a time to, to re-energize and to refocus on some important matters of teaching. And we appreciate each one that did uh, participate in that and benefit from that. And we appreciate each one that helped along with that. And let's make sure that, that we as teachers realize the serious responsibility we have uh, to do the very best at one of the most important jobs that anybody on this earth will do, and that is share and teach the Word of God. Let's make sure that as we look around us that we see souls and the opportunity to encourage and to comfort and to edify and to build up souls. That's really what every bit of the Lord's ministry comes down to, is the... Is the desire, uh, is the effort to reach out and make a difference in the lives of individuals. You know, sometimes when we see individuals fall away from the Lord, it's not that it doesn't break our heart, but sometimes we have to honestly say, you know, I could see that coming. That's not a surprise or a shock to me that so-and-so fell away. It seemed that they never committed to the Lord. They never were active in any of the Lord's work. The kingdom was a very little thing in their life and had no value in their life. Service to God and worship to God was of little importance. It seemed that everything came before worship. And if there just happened to be an open time, they might come in and worship. And so when we see those folks slide away, there's no joy in that. There's heartbreak in that. And, and there's tremendous loss in that. But none of us can say... You know, I was surprised about that. But you know, when a leader falls away, when one that was strong falls away, when it's one that you can say, you know, that was one of my elders. You know, I remember that was a dedicated deacon. You know, I remember her teaching all of those years in Bible class, and she just seemed to make a, a lasting spiritual impression on, on hundreds of kids. When somebody like that falls away, that's a shock. But you know it's possible. As a matter of fact, we're about to read a text, and not only was it an apostle that reached a time in his life where he fell away from God. He denied our Lord and Savior three times that night. Not only was he an apostle, friends, he was the leader of the apostles. Let's read this story together. We're in John, the 18th chapter, and we're going to read a paragraph, skip a paragraph, and pick back up. In John, the 18th chapter, we're going to uh, 
skip over the first few paragraphs, which is about Jesus' time in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is being arrested, and now we pick up in verse 15. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another, well, of course that was John's, disciple. Now, that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Skipping down to verse 25. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the rooster crowed. Friends, if I can learn tonight what led to this strong leader falling away from Jesus Christ, it might be some wake-up calls for me so that I can see those warning flares in my life so that maybe I wouldn't reach the point that Peter reached. Maybe I could identify those before because none of us are perfect. It doesn't matter how much we've matured in Christ and it doesn't matter how much influence we have in the lives of others. There's not a person in this room that it's not possible for us to fall away from the Lord and to find ourselves in the very shoes of Peter in this sense. And so tonight, let's study at least three things that took place at this time or leading up to this time in the life of Peter. And let's examine our own self and make sure that we're not traveling some of these similar paths. The first thing that immediately comes to mind is the self-confidence of Peter. You know, having bravery and courage is a tremendous uh, accomplishment in the life of any individual. But whenever that bravery and courage moves over into kind of an arrogance and too much self-confidence, in other words, more confidence in self than even in Jesus and faith and the work of the Lord, then we've crossed over a boundary that's very unhealthy. Let's go back to John the 13th chapter, just a few pages back, and let's see what led to this event, at least something that was closely connected to this event. If you'll remember in John the 13th chapter, in verse 36... 37 and 38, as we close out the 13th chapter, remember this discussion between Jesus and Simon Peter. 36, John 13, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Was Jesus here kind of giving a a rebuke to the confidence of Peter? Or was he simply prophesying? Now I'm not trying to make up your mind for you. This is just an open question that we all have to draw a conclusion upon. 
But I think if we consider a few other times, it's a lot easier to believe that Jesus was not just prophesying, and He was, but He was also rebuking this kind of confidence. Think back with me to Matthew when Jesus was walking on the water. Remember, it was Peter that wanted to to bounce out on that water. It was Peter that was saying, Lord, if that's you, let me come down and walk on that water with you. And so he comes down and he walks and he begins to fall. And you remember, it's Jesus that rebuked him there. Oh, ye of little faith. Now, I know there's a lot of sermons where preachers bring out and say, yeah, but there's a lot of other people that stayed in that boat. Let me tell you, Jesus didn't compliment him on that day. Now, I agree, there were others that stayed in that boat, but Jesus saw that here was a man that leaped out with self-confidence. The reason to know his self-confidence because when he saw the waves, he began to sink. Oh, ye of little faith. You remember just a few chapters later when Jesus began to talk about the fact that he must go to Jerusalem and he must die there. And you remember it was Peter that rebuked Jesus Christ. Oh, thing. Who would get into the face of Jesus Christ and tell him, you're not going to go to Jerusalem and die? And you remember Jesus rebuked there. Get behind me, Satan. That's some pretty strong words of rebuke. Or you remember the transfiguration. Elijah is seen, Moses is seen, and Jesus is seen. And this excites Peter so much, and it should excite him. But you remember what he said. Let's build a temple for all three. And the silence of heaven was broken as God scolded Peter to say, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. Now I want to ask you something. If you had been scolded and corrected by Jesus Christ saying, you have little faith, you are Satan, get behind me, and the voice of God saying, in other words, implied, Peter, don't you try to worship Moses, don't you try to build anything for Elijah, you worship my son. Would you not pick up on that? Would you not start thinking, hey, I may be just a little bit set on myself and not quite set upon God as much as I ought to be. Have you ever noticed that a lot of the time the, the ones that do stand up and lead are the ones that do have a, a bit of confidence? Now let's say something from the Scriptures to all of those. Even though the temptation might be to turn that into self-confidence, we need as leaders to always find our confidence in God. And when we lose that, we not only lose the ability to lead spiritually, but soon we'll probably lose the ability to stand spiritually. And so what happened? He seemed to speak with just an air of arrogance at the end of John 13. Lord, I'd follow you anywhere. I'd lay down my life for you. Oh, really? Let me tell you what's going to happen before the rooster crows in the morning. You're going to deny me three times. And isn't it interesting what Peter's response was in the midst before these times of denial. You need to go back to John, the, the uh, 18th chapter again. 
Before the passage we read tonight, you remember that Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember while He was there, He took the closer, the inner circle, the ones that were closer to Him, in deeper into the Garden. And He asked them to do something. You remember what He asked them to do? Pray. And He goes deeper into the Garden and He prays and He comes back. And what's Peter and the others doing? They're sleeping. He wakes them up. He urges them. Pray. He goes back and he prays and he comes back and he finds them doing that same thing, sleeping again. And he leaves them that time and he goes and prays. Where was Peter drawing his strength at this time? And I'm not trying to be hard on Peter. I'm trying to make application from the Scripture so you and I can be hard on ourselves. Where do we gain our strength? How many times are we sleeping when we ought to be praying? How many times are we thinking, I can stand on my own feet physically when what I ought to be doing is realizing I can't make it without God spiritually? And you know what happened? He had been in there sleeping, and when it came time for the arrest, we see there in verse 10, he decided he'd take this into his own hands. All those warriors out there, and he picks up his sword and he cuts a man's ear off. Does Jesus praise him in that? Absolutely not. It was still about Peter. In his mind, it was still upon him physically. He still hadn't learned up to this point to depend wholly upon God, to hide himself behind Christ. And you remember that rebuke back in verse 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off the right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my Father has given me? Haven't you heard that before, Peter? Remember when he called you Satan and said, Get behind me? Peter, we're going through the same things here. You're not listening. You're missing the point. You're relying too much on self and not enough upon the will of God. Now let's pause right here and admit something. Peter didn't like the will of God right here. And you know what? If you pick out your best friend in the world and you know that that best friend in the world is going to die on a cross, you probably wouldn't like the will of God either. But isn't that interesting that Jesus didn't cut him any slack? Friends, it doesn't matter how much our will contradicts the will of God. We have to refuse self-confidence, self-will, and humbly submit to the will of God. Here's a great leader, and he's going to fall this night. And he's been setting himself up for the fall this night because he's continually sought out his will with his self-confidence. And the word continually there might have been a little strong. But I think you see what I'm saying there. He, that continued to arise in his life. So number one, self-confidence was a sign that he should have realized he was on the wrong path. Number two, the distance that he placed between him and Jesus should have been a sign that things were on the wrong path. Notice as we read here in John 18 and verse 16, Notice it says, but Peter stood at the door outside. 
I'm going to read for you quickly one verse, the same Matthew's account in Matthew, the 26th chapter. Listen to verse 58, the same thing in, in Matthew's words. And Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard. You see, at this point, what seems to be taking place is that John is very eager to be close to Jesus and he doesn't mind being identified with Jesus. So as John goes in closer to Jesus, what seems to be happening here is that Peter wants to keep his distance from Jesus. He seems to be a little more comfortable having that space between him and Jesus because after all, if these people are really after the life of Jesus Christ, they might just be after the life of his followers and especially one of the apostles. Perhaps that's what he was thinking. But the distance became obvious. And the distance perhaps became a factor in his life. No doubt, when individuals, strong or weak, begin to place distance between them and their God, they're setting themselves up for a fall. Now, as we're about to read a couple of passages, and if you want to go ahead and be turning to Matthew, the 10th chapter, we'll look there in just a moment, but I'd like for you to think about your own life. Examine yourself as we develop this point. And here is what I'd like for you to honestly ask yourself. Has there ever been a time in your life when you were more faithful to God than what you are right now? Has there ever been a time in your life that you were closer and more faithful to God than what you are right now? If you can say yes to that, that should be a warning sign, a flare that's going up that's saying something's wrong. We have allowed distance to come between us and our God. And friends, we just can't allow that to continue to happen. Because it doesn't matter how strong we perceive our faith to be, if we continue to allow that distance to separate between us and our God, we're going to have that night like Peter had one of these days. And that night will be the night that we make a horrible mistake. And when we say things or do things or break away from God and things that we would never want to take place in our life, but they're inevitable if we allow distance to take place. Matthew the 10th chapter. In Matthew the 10th chapter, look at 32 and 33, and we see that shame is one way we allow distance to come between us and our God. Is there, is there a situation at work or at school where you're kind of ashamed right now to admit that Jesus is a part of your life and that He is your life and that you're wholly devoted? Are you trying to come across to somebody as just being a little religious because you're finding yourself ashamed? Matthew the 10th chapter and 32, Therefore whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Friends, the Lord makes it very clear from the time we come to Christ as Christians, you know, a part of us coming to the Lord is to be willing to say before others, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but that's not a one-time ritual. That's something that is a part of our Christian life. Wherever we go, we're not going to be ashamed of the Lord. We're going to stand up for Him. We want to be counted on His side no matter what the cost. 
Now, sure, we're studying about a tough subject tonight. Here, Peter was afraid to admit that he was one of the Lord's because he thought his life was at stake also. But you know what's interesting? We go over to Acts, the fourth chapter, and if you were here on Wednesday night, that was a part of the invitation that we extended. If you'll remember in Acts, the fourth chapter, not long after Peter had denied, he comes back to the Lord, and standing in that same town, the whole uh, Jewish council was standing there and wanted him to quit preaching and teaching the Word of God. And he said, we will not. And he said, do you want us to please men instead of God? And he would not settle to put men's will before God's will. You see, Peter learned his lesson. And tonight I need to ask myself, if I've allowed distance to come between me and God, is it because I'm ashamed of God? If so, I need to correct that. I need to repent of that. And I need to let my loyalty be true to God through and through. But you know also, sometimes what separates us, and be turning, if you will, to Romans the 12th chapter, verse 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And that is... Sometimes the cost. Sometimes the cost of discipleship separates us. You know, when we give our life to the Lord, we're giving our time. We're giving our energy. We're giving of our possessions. We're giving of our heart. It's wholly dedicating ourselves to God, and that's a commitment, and that's a cost. And sometimes we begin to wear down and and an enemy of Christianity is selfishness. And sometimes we let a little bit of self creep in and so we have that battle back and forth. And Paul describes this very well and he describes how to overcome it in Romans the 12th chapter in verse 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Now these are the descriptions of our body. Can you say... This is how I present my body to God this week. Holy, acceptable unto God. It's your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what we're wanting to do in this sermon tonight. Renew our minds. Set our minds back where they should be. Do not be conformed to this world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Here was a great man that fell. Here was a man that if you and I would have been walking along with him, we probably would have looked at some of other Jesus' disciples and we would have said, you know, that doesn't surprise me that that individual fell. They've been struggling the whole time. But you just wouldn't look over at Peter and say, I bet he's going to deny the Lord three times tonight. You just wouldn't expect it. Why did he do it? Perhaps it was a little bit of too much self-confidence. Perhaps it put a little bit of distance between him and the Lord. But as we look at the end of, of this lesson tonight, I want you to think about also that last paragraph we read in John 18, 25, 26, and 27, perhaps he began to connect with those that he warmed around the fire. You remember he kept his distance. So you see, that placed him around a fire warming with the enemy. He began to care more what the enemy thought than what God thought. Now, it's easy sit in a setting like this and say, oh, I'd, I'd never care more. I would never uh, care more what the world thought about me than what God thought about me. That's not always easy. 
we can find ourselves in settings where that can become difficult. According to this example, we can find a strong leader in a setting where that was very difficult, and he failed. He was asked around that fire, are you one of his? This is his second time to deny. No, I'm not. Another of the Gospels tells us about an hour passes. He's asked again. And this time to make them believe that he's not one of them, one of, the, one of Jesus' disciples, he begins to curse and swear that he's not. Friends, I need to note something as we close this lesson. When I allow sin into my life, it just seems to multiply. It seems to get out of hand. You see, the first thing he did that night was deny. And then he denied again. And the next thing you know, he's using language that he probably hadn't used since he left the fishing boats. Have you ever noticed that? We put a little bit of confidence in self, and we put a little bit of space between us and the Lord, and next thing you know, we're feeling real friendly around the world and our sins have multiplied. You know, in any other setting, we'd say, well, you're describing the weak. No. We're describing some of the strongest that's ever lived. Tonight, we're not asking if you're strong or weak. We're asking, where are you? The rooster crowed. And Luke reveals something that had to be heart-wrenching. It says, Jesus looked over at Peter. Can you imagine that eye contact? He has just cursed and sweared that he wasn't one of Jesus's. He's just heard the rooster that reminds him, Jesus said, I would do this. Just as the old expression, being caught with your hand in the cookie jar, you can imagine that feeling as the rooster crowed and he looked over and saw Jesus look at him. You know, when we think about being little children, one of the things that we love, and now as adults looking back, we love with great fondness, we love to see a parent's look that's comforting, that tells you everything's okay, that communicates love and that you're accepted. Things are well. All of us remember the look of our parents when we didn't do something right and it was like, you're in trouble. I'm going to scold you later when we're not in front of all these people. You remember those looks. Can you imagine how Peter felt as he received that other look of disappointment? You've just denied me. You've just broke my heart, Peter. You know, even though we can't look in Jesus' eyes, He's looking at you and I right now. He's looking in our eyes. He's either looking with great joy or He's looking with sadness. He's just hoping, He's just hoping we'll decide to come back home. 
Who responds to the Lord? Well, it's not just the weak. As far as I can tell, I've never seen a weak person come back. The weak people stay down. It's only the strong that stand back up with God and say, I'm ready to come home. Tonight, if you're one of those strong, if you need to be baptized into Christ, if you need to respond and confess sin and pray forgiveness, I pray that you'll be strong tonight, not by your self-confidence, but by the power of God, leaning upon Him, closing the distance, and warming with God's family, not the enemy. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.